As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot. But the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media. But now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. It is hour three of the nightcap here on VSIN Adam Hill. Tim Murray with you. I was able to get Adam to say he liked an over on a seasoned player prop. I'm very proud of myself. I think whatever Tyrod Taylor's number is over, too. <laughs> Maybe bias. Why? All right. For those who don't know, I didn't know this. First interaction I had with Adam from moving to town, Matt Humans, who was my co-host on uh, My Guys in the Desert last I'm fall, sorry. Uh, <laughs> just just led me into the to the lion's den because it was. I think it was the week after Justin Herbert started for Tyrod Taylor. I had no idea your affinity towards the former Virginia Tech Hokie. Yeah. So when did the uh, when did the love affair for you and Tyrod start? Uh, for much of my life, I was like the most obsessed Buffalo Bills fan that you'd ever met uh, in your life. Okay. Uh, could I mean they were everything? I, I, every I did miss a play for 17 years, uh, which was incredible. But uh, Tyrod came along. He was the third stringer, and when he opened camp, his first season, and I was watching practices, watching every all the film I could, and I was like, this guy, this is the guy. This is the guy. It's got to be. And he won the job. Yeah. And was very good. Went to and the playoffs. Took, well, third season. That was okay. But was took third criticism after criticism after criticism, despite being, like, every year, being the 14th or 15th best quarterback in the NFL. You're like, okay, that there could be better, but he's good. And just hearing all the negativity and all the naysayers, and then him taking them to the playoffs and hearing everybody trash him still, like, settle down. He's he's between the 13th and 17th best starting quarterback in the NFL. It could be a lot worse. He took them to the playoffs after 20 years. Leads them to the playoffs and still just hears the most horrific, ugly, nasty thing from the fans. And I I was like, okay, th- that's my guy. 
You're in. Like I, I, I will defend him forever. And so now wherever he goes, uh, I'm a fan. I'm not really a fan because I can't be a fan of any team. I cover the NFL now. Right. Little different situation, but uh, yeah, I will always uh, have a have an affinity for Mr. Taylor. And he's down in Houston and uh, starting quarterback. Probably yeah, going to be the go. starting quarterback down there uh, for the Houston Texans. Um, as you want to know, um, we've got USA Serbia just underway in uh, in the semifinals of the women's volleyball bracket. Of course, Adam's got to play. Uh, he's going over four sets. He thinks, you know, he's done a lot of uh, digging on these uh, on this tournament, and uh, he he envisions a, a long, a long drawn out yeah. match here. Just no straight sets. USA a little banged up. Jordan Thompson, she's uh, I don't think she's playing. There you go. There's my analysis. She's in uniform. They'll get her in eventually, I think. <laughs> um, let's uh, let's let's uh, update you on on what has gone down today. We had football today. We did. We had football. We had a game in Canton, Ohio, and the Pittsburgh Steelers one and zero on their way to I think an under five hundred season. But get the win. Well, they started eleven zero last year. That's a regular right. season. It didn't really work out. Did not work out well for them uh, whatsoever. Uh, but the line went in the favor of Pittsburgh. They cover the uh, the two and a half. And the under comes home with ease. And if you are wondering who scored the game's first touchdown, we talked about this yesterday. Jeff Parles, uh, I don't think either. I didn't play it. We were just talking about it. Jeff said, what about no touchdown? And after the first half, he he fired away on the group text and said, hey, looking pretty good. And he was. Uh, but ultimately, Kalen Balage scored the game's first touchdown. I believe that was 25-1 to to be the game's first touchdown. So there you go. Kalen Balazs with the game's first touchdown. The fantasy players will know he is a touchdown machine. Oh, well, he's got one so far. That's that's the guy. That's I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, obviously. Hindsight is twenty five to one, obviously. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's uh, listen, that those are those are really tough pools to to play <laughs> into, um, especially in the preseason. <laughs> good I mean, luck. it is good a, luck to you. It is throwing an absolute dart uh, on the baseball board. A lot of day games today on on getaway day. The Mets lost earlier today to the Marlins uh, as a minus one twenty nine favorite, four to two down in Miami. Atlanta on the road took uh, took care of business, won eight to four over St. Louis, and the. Philadelphia Phillies, minus 145 favorites, came from two down in the ninth. Surprise, surprise. Against Washington, won 7-6. We've got ourselves a division race in the NL East. It is going to be a lot of fun to watch. We'll get back to football. Todd Furman going to join us here in just a second. Stick around. It's the Nightcap. It is the nightcap here on VEASAN. Adam Hill, the busiest man in Las Vegas, at Adam Hill LVRJ on Twitter from the Las Vegas Review Journal. That's what those uh, letters stand for. He didn't just mash a keyboard. There's the meaning behind LVRJ. It's a lot of L's in a row, though. That is a lot of L's in yeah. a row. I didn't really think about it when I made my Twitter name. When I first made a Twitter handle, I was like, Twitter, who cares? <laughs> now it's all I do. I'm obsessed with it. I'm on it all the time. Yeah, ask my wife. I am. Uh, she When we went on vacation, she went into my phone and put on... That uh, that app that tells you how long you're on your screen yeah. it it's it's not enjoyable to look at those numbers that I have. It's uh, it, it gets ugly. I stopped looking. I was at those like, numbers. what? 
that many hours? Um, let's bring in our next guest. Uh, you know him well. He's all over the place. Uh, lives in Las Vegas, not too far from uh, where I call a home. It is Todd Furman who joins us now. Todd, I, I need to know your expertise and your handicapping of this uh, of this women's volleyball semifinal uh, and whether or not Adam made a, a poor choice. He went over four sets uh, in this semifinal. What would, have you bet any Olympics, any uh, outside of basketball? Do you get into the obscurity of, uh, of Olympic betting? The only thing I've dabbled in, guys, has been some of the track and field events. But if you'd asked me to handicap the events on my own, it would be a full-blown, unadulterated lie. <laughs> had some guys feed me some plays, and I am a robust 0-3 taking long shots. So my foray into Olympics has not exactly paid dividends. Uh, looked at the soccer a little bit, happened to miss the best of the number, wanted to take Canada plus a half a goal in the gold medal game. Uh, but for the most part, it's been confined to basketball. Uh, and as I relented to you, Tim, I was a little bit disappointed that I did not hedge off some of my Australia future at 22 to one when they had a 15 point lead against team USA. And alas, that is the pitfalls of not taking advantage of live wagering at your disposal. Well, we can all just say that we didn't bet the USA at minus 400 to win the four by 100 relay. Cause, uh, Thank goodness. Carl Lewis was not very pleased with that performance. It was ugly. It was right around the same time. <laughs> as, though. as ugly as his, uh, national anthem performance. Uh Oh, Oh, that was bad. Uh, there, there was right around the same time. There was a minus seven dollar favorite in the yes, hurdles. Though, yeah, and he that went he, down. He got silver. Yeah, it was right of Chesapeake, Virginia, Mr. Holloway. There you go. Eighteen to one from uh, Jamaica. I don't think Todd was on that one either. No, I don't think so. <laughs> nor was I. I. I was. I was not. Nor will I claim to have bet the New Zealand kayaker. Uh, I don't know even know her first name. Was it Liz Carrington, who just seems to go out there and dominate every single event. The one thing that I have to give oddsmakers credit for when it comes to the Olympics, the amount of research that goes into trying to set numbers that maybe three to four people might bet <laughs> for some of these events is probably the definition of futility when you have so much else out there because it's not catering to recreational bettors who are trying to bet some of these things in the wee hours of the morning. I mean, I know only Adam Hill and Matt Humans typically keep those hours. That is true. Well, let me ask you that, though, because I know you've been on that side of things. Why do it? Like, why, why do the bookmakers continue to do that? If, like, we're, we're hearing some reports of, like, really, really low ticket counts. Like, why put yourself in that position? Is it just to, I guess, build up, like, trust from the customer that you're going to have everything on the board? It's a great question, and one I think every odds maker will take a slightly different philosophy on uh, as it pertains to kind of expanding menus to cater to all players. But you've seen a variety of approaches or just around town. Some books only offering kind of soccer and basketball. Other shops really giving you that whole menu. Uh, and I think it also speaks to how large a limit you want to take. If you're going to cater more to the recreational player and kind of cap some of these bets at a couple hundred bucks, even if a long shot or two comes home to roost, you're not going to create that much liability. Now, if you profess to take larger limits, and we're talking about four or even five-figure bets on some of these more obscure sporting events, uh, you're going to put yourself in a difficult position. And if you happen to lose one of these track and field events or something in the pool, it could take you the entire duration of the two weeks to try and recoup some of that loss. Talking to Todd Furman. All right, enough of uh, of the silliness. Let's let's get into the brass tacks. Let's talk some preseason football. <laughs> uh, let's actually, I, I will. I am curious though, Todd, because you know you certainly do your homework uh, when it comes to handicapping both college and and the NFL. And I asked this to Adam uh, earlier in the show. You know, as a as a handicapper, when you look at the preseason, what can you take? from the preseason. Do you do you watch a lot of these games and, and try to take away bits and pieces and put it to your regular season handicapping? Or do you look at a game like tonight and just say, 
uh, throw it away. Doesn't matter whatsoever to my Pittsburgh and or Dallas handicapping for the year. Well, tonight is a completely different animal. I think uh, calling it football might be a loose interpretation of the game, and I know we've all clamored for something to bet on uh, when it comes to the gridiron since the Super Bowl, uh, but this is more or less a debacle, as we saw throughout the course of the first half. Uh, Mason Rudolph clearly not doing a lot to assert himself as the number two or heir apparent for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But for me, when it comes to preseason, I kind of want to get a feel for some of these depth guys more than anything else. I don't even put much stock in the dress rehearsals when I watch starters go out there because every coach has a different philosophy. For every John Harbaugh there is that really prides himself on creating that winning culture and allowing his starters and backups to implement a game plan, you'll get a coach like Sean McVay who could care less uh, about trying to get his guys out there. And it's part of the reason we've seen the Rams the last couple of years have very slow starts, especially in the first half of their opening week game. So these are great betting opportunities, but I wouldn't put too much stock in them. Uh, and I kind of joke with one of my close colleagues earlier tonight, why don't we just bet these things with the information we have and not even watch them? Because it's three to three and a half hours of our lives that we're never going to get back. And that's kind of how I felt, especially watching the first three quarters between the Cowboys and the Steelers earlier. I'm really feeling attacked tonight. You are. I mean, the, the mayor of the preseason over here, Adam Hill, is everyone coming on is, is talking trash about your product. Not, Todd, not only do I watch the games when they're live, like a national TV game like this, there's nothing I like more than the NFL Network just airing all night replays of other games. And I tape them and watch all of them. Am I alone in this? There, there are a lot of guys that do. I will go back and watch some of them. Uh, sometimes, obviously, being able to fast-forward through them, you can uh, save a little bit of time. And, hey, look, I'm not going to take a shot. I mean, I invested two and a half hours watching this NFL game before I finally got to the point where I went, all right, I can flip over and I can at least watch regular season CFL between the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the Hamilton Tiger Cats to really get my football Ooh, fixed. Yeah. But I do think, you know, if you're going to bet the preseason seriously, knowing that we have a truncated schedule from four games that we've seen in the past down to three, it can definitely benefit you because if you identify players early on, you may see some guys and some opportunities, whether it's second or third string quarterbacks or depth on the offensive and defensive lines, that'll pay handsome dividends. So, Adam, I think doing the research that way definitely pays off when you're talking about that week three preseason game where it's basically guys riding it out until they get cut within the next 72 hours. Yeah, let's hope some of that research pays off. But let me tell you this. If you really want to cleanse the palate after that Pittsburgh game, CNBC has rhythmic <laughs> gymnastics. It's the greatest thing I've ever watched. It is. It is entertaining. I, I can't. As long as you guys aren't trying to do cartwheels between the breaks in studio, I think Derek Stevens and everybody down there at Circle will feel much better about preserving the integrity of their equipment. Oh, man, I'm getting a hula hoop tonight. Yeah, I mean, it is. I might stop at Walmart. You know, they have that uh, that kind of cage area with all the uh, the, the inflatable balls. Sure. I, might, I might grab one of those, too. Uh, Todd Furman joining us. All right, Todd, when you look at – we talked about Pittsburgh a little bit earlier, and, you know, Mike Tomlin has never had a losing record as the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Their win total is 8.5. They have the, most, the second most difficult schedule per Warren Sharp and when he breaks down these schedules. I just don't see how this team is above 500. When you look at you know win totals or, or just teams to maybe fade, who are some of the teams that you're looking at that you anticipate to have uh, a, uh, a under type of season? 
Well, you mentioned the Steelers, uh, and I definitely think the only lean that makes sense is going under that 8.5. Uh, that Mike Tomlin stat is very tough to ignore because I've been an outspoken critic when it comes to Mike Tomlin's game management uh, and him being extremely stubborn when it comes to implementing game plans. But you look at this Steelers team, and they play in a difficult division where they're maybe the third-best team on paper. You could make the case that if the Bengals can take the next step that they're going to have a puncher's chance to be neck-and-neck neck with the Steelers. We obviously saw that on full display with a backup quarterback when the Bengals beat him on Monday night as a double-digit dog last year. So it makes sense there. The one team that I'm not necessarily buying, and I know it goes against what some sharp guys are making a case for, people want to talk of Jacksonville potentially being a dark horse, not only to go over their win total but win the division. When we look back at historical examples of a rookie head coach going around this first NFL schedule with a rookie starting quarterback, it definitely creates some skepticism for me. So at six and a half uh, with that win total, I'd make a case to go under on Jacksonville. I'd love to see a little bit more optimism to go under seven. I don't think Urban Meyer is going to have the same pitfalls in his first trip through the NFL as we saw with Steve Spurrier. But at the same time, that Jacksonville roster has a long way to go. And if they were to drop the season opener to the Houston Texans, which isn't outside the realm of possibility, I think it could be a big time uphill battle asking a bad football team to do good things for you i mean what really is their upside i mean i agree with you i think that that's there like i'm worried about trevor lawrence i'm worried about a lot of the players on their roster i i wonder if you if you are concerned about them at all like if you're concerned about losing that bet like where could they where could they succeed well, that's, I think, the biggest question. If Trevor Lawrence becomes this transcendent talent that I think a lot of us believe he's capable of doing over time, will it happen the first season? I just don't see it. I mean, this was a Jags team uh, that was a little bit undervalued for stretches early on in the year, and then you start to see their depths get worn down, and they play in arguably the worst division of football from top to bottom. Uh, but I think it's going to take some time. And to Urban's credit, he's at least surrounded himself with a very good coaching staff. But when you look back over the last couple of seasons at Ohio State, Urban's game management was nothing to write home about. I mean, the best game plans they put forth were when Ryan Day took the reins with the offense, and I'm not quite sure what Urban wants to do will translate necessarily to the NFL, especially in the first season. And the biggest question I have, let's see how he utilizes Travis Etienne, because if you're going to draft a running back when you need so many different positions on that roster in the first round, you better make sure you're getting him ample touches. Uh, and I think James Robinson was a big surprise last year. It'd be a shame to see him kind of ignored in the ground game as well. He's going to be a third down back, right? That's what that's what Urban told us. Right? Wide receiver. Yeah. Uh, Todd, <laughs> Todd Furman joining us. I uh, see him all over the place. Fox Bet, CBS Sports Line. And uh, Todd, when you look at teams to overachieve, uh, a team that I like, uh, have been on for a little bit, and I thought when Julio left, uh, that would maybe give me a little bit. Maybe we get down to seven again. Still saying <laughs> around at seven and a half. I was hoping we'd get back to seven. But I, I think uh, with the change of, of mindset there, bringing in Arthur Smith, uh, their defense is terrible, but I, I love the playmakers they have. I think Kyle Pitts is going to be phenomenal. Uh, who's a team that you like looking at uh, over? Maybe uh, maybe not getting enough love in the marketplace, and you like you expect them to have a, a bigger season this year. Well, when you look at the Falcons, I think they're going to be very interesting to see how Matt Ryan and Arthur Smith can get on the same page because I think you know Tennessee's loss and losing Arthur Smith as their offensive coordinator could be the Falcons' gain, and we'll see how Ryan Tannehill performs uh, as a member, obviously, of the Titans as the season goes forward. One of the bigger positions I took on a win total, uh, I went over 8.5, did have to lay a price with the Vikings. Now, I'm not going to say I love what's transpired <laughs> over the last 7 to 10 days with Kirk Cousins saying that he's going to put himself in a plexiglass box. Uh, he must be a big hockey fan, but spending time in the penalty box never really works out in that regard. 
Uh, but I think that's a team from a divisional standpoint that I really like some of the youth that they have on the defensive side. Getting the likes of Daniel Hunter back will give them a pass rush that they didn't have last season. And I still think it's an underrated cast of skill position players with a healthy Dalvin Cook, Jordan Jefferson in the receiving core. Minnesota's a team, uh, I think, if you can still find some rogue eight and a half or even nine flat, I'd have no problem. I think they have a 10-win ceiling, if not more. And it wouldn't shock me at all if we're talking about the Vikings as a team to beat in the NFC North, even ahead of the Green Bay Packers. Wow, are you uh, are you fading Aaron Rodgers? I'm skeptical of Aaron Rodgers this season for sure. One of the big things that Aaron was pretty outspoken about during the pandemic, he said he went back and looked at old tape, tried to figure out his mechanics and really spend time breaking things down. You look at how Aaron has spent this offseason, and while he's saying the right things publicly, do I really believe that's what's going on behind the scenes? And this whole idea that it's Green Bay's last dance, it's Aaron's swan song in the division, I wouldn't want any part of the Packers' win total going over. I think the defense is a little bit under but even with the addition of Randall Cobb, I want Aaron to go out there and prove it. I'm just not sure we're going to see the same dynamic look from this Packers offense that we saw all last year. He doesn't think he was working on routes with uh, Miles Teller out in Hawaii? Probably not, but no? you know what? Uh, ha- having seen Miles perform in some big-time movies along the way, I mean, Miles did get pretty jacked, so if Aaron Rodgers wanted to go through goal-line situations, <laughs> I mean, he made it. Had to make sure he had a little bit of ball security in those spots. Him and Bryson out in Montana, you know, doing a little, uh, doing a little extra work. Uh, Todd Furman joining us. Todd, uh, before we let you run, we got about two minutes or so. Um, looking at uh, just the the college football futures, you know, college football futures. Everyone's oh, give me a long shot. There's no such thing in college football. No. It, it is, it's, it's five, maybe six teams that could pull this off. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on on Georgia this year? I love the talent, but then I look at the sideline, I say. Kirby Smart scares me. You know, you never know when he's just going to decide to snap the ball to his uh, backup quarterback in the up back in an SEC championship. So, um, to me, and then you have Oklahoma, full of talent, uh, around 758 to one or so. But their last couple moments in the playoff, they've gotten absolutely hammered. So, when you look at the futures board, is there anything that jumps out at you when it comes to college football this year? Uh, if you want to make a case for Oklahoma, I have no problem with it uh, at 8-1. to one. I think this will be the most talented team that Lincoln Riley has had in Norman. I think the defense is vastly improved, and I am a huge Alex Grinch fan. But the one thing I would say, if you believe in Oklahoma at 8-1, to one, you should back up that investment quite substantially with them to win the Big 12, yep. as I don't think it's a two-bid league by any stretch of the imagination. Georgia's an interesting case, because obviously we're going to get a pretty good idea of what the Bulldogs are week one against Clemson. Uh, it's a number that's actually taken a little bit of money, the four and a half starting disappear in the market as it trends towards a field goal. The big thing and the question that I have, if Kirby Smart takes his hands off of the offense and goes, you know what, Todd Munkin, you go out there, you let JT Daniels throw the football like he did down the stretch last year when Georgia was eliminated, I think this team can be extremely dynamic if they're able to figure out some of the question marks in their secondary because they check every box. The schedule is relatively favorable. I'm not as big a believer in Florida as some in the Emory Jones bandwagon. So I think this Georgia team, if you don't win now, now, when, and those Georgia Bulldogs, alumni, boosters, whatever else is associated with the program, are going to start questioning Kirby if he can't get over the hump. So uh, I'm bullish on the uh, Georgia Bulldogs. I think this can be a big season for them down in Athens. Yeah, I think I think I could be talked into a future on Georgia. We'll see. We'll see how that plays out. Hey, Todd, always a pleasure, man. Great stuff, and I'm sure we'll uh, catch up with you down the road. I uh, appreciate you guys having me. Have a great rest of the night. There he is, Todd Furman. You can follow him on Twitter, at Todd Furman.
I don't know if I don't know if Adam's enjoying this uh, start to the women's volleyball game, but hey, it's it's a long game. Well, we'll see. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully for for Adam's sake. It's the nightcap here on Beeson. Nightcap here on VEASAN, Adam Hill, Tim Murray with you as we uh, keep very close attention to Adam's bet on Serbia and the United States going four sets or more in this semifinal of the women's volleyball. Let's hope so. Let's hope. <laughs> um, USA having a little trouble here, though. A little trouble. I, don't, I wanted Serbia to just kind of let the first set go, focus on the second set. I just want one, one after two. Um, then a tie is the worst I can do. It's time for some treats and beats. And and the first and foremost most treat of the night is Adam Hill just coming right in and saying, give me the A-team. Give me Alex and April to win the gold medal. I'll lay, I'll lay the price. And pff, easy. Easy. No, no sweat. Down. I mean, you were just sitting back in a rocking chair. 21-15, 21-15, give the gold to Alex in April. Sadly, I think it may have got me a little overconfident about my volleyball knowledge and led me astray here maybe in the uh, in this, uh, this this indoor volleyball match. But, yeah, I'll take the win. Anywhere you can get it, I'll find it. And uh, I appreciate it. I'll just, I'll just take it. Um, Minus 230, tough price, but that's all right. Uh, I want to go to what happened in uh, – with the San Francisco Giants and the Arizona Diamondbacks today. History. This was well, this was a four nothing game heading into the ninth. Arizona led four nothing. Total of nine. Giants scored four in the ninth, and you went to extras. Now, surprisingly, this ended up as a push. But if you had the under in this bad boy. Going into the ninth inning, and you have to get a refund, get your money back. I mean, it's better than losing the bet. And when you went to extra innings and you had an under nine ticket, you're thinking, over, no chance. So at least you got the push. But that is a it's a tough pill to swallow. Up four nothing, total of nine, and it's a push. What if you had the Diamondbacks? Ooh, that's yeah. rough too. Uh, I believe, I, I could be wrong about this, I could be making it up. Diamondbacks, by the way, went off plus 142 here. I think that the Giants, you know, you start with a runner on second, I think the Giants got a leadoff double to tie the game and then stranded that runner. So you stranded back-to-back runners. If you Chris did have Bryant another, did have an RBI double, yeah. yeah. So you stranded, you, you stranded runner on second with no bouts for both teams in order to keep that push. I guess you'll take it, but you're right, it's tough. Uh, historic game for the Giants, however, the Giants have been around a long time, mm-hmm. at least like 20 years, I think. <laughs> maybe, long time. Maybe a little longer yeah. than that. Uh, never in their history had they been shut out for nothing or worse going into the ninth and won a game. Wow. That was very comfortable. I love when baseball right. history happens because yeah. it actually is, a, you know, it's, it's not something that, you know, it's not like a Houston Texans uh, team record that gets broken yeah. by Tyrod Taylor this year. <laughs> Likely to happen. Uh, it is, uh, no, the Giants have... They were they were in a different coast, not yeah. that uh, many years ago. Long history, and there's you know it, schedules have changed, but say like an average of 150 games right. for like 100 years never had happened before till today. Uh, and uh, by the way, today I tweeted it. I, I couldn't believe it was still out there. 
Um, Kevin Gosman yesterday uh, went six, allowed one run, lowered his DRA to two three one. I mean, he's been great for the Giants. He's their ace now, and uh, certainly would have helped, wanted a little bit more help in that rotation. Nine years ago today, a young up-and-coming broadcaster sitting in a broadcast booth in State College, Pennsylvania, called Kevin Gosman's debut, and that was this guy. Nine wow. years ago, it's nine up, nine down for Kevin Gosman against the uh, State College Spikes. He survived that jinx. He did. The Tim Murray jinx. He got through. He powered through. Uh, had to go through a couple different organizations. Didn't work out by the one that, that team that drafted him. I want to give you a beat because uh, it's for me and our producer, Aaron Oster. So yesterday, uh, good friend uh, Stormy Bonatoni was was hanging out, and we said hello. Never heard of her. And uh, we were so for some reason, the City Open uh, was on. And uh, City Open, for those who don't know, which probably is 99% of you, uh, is the tennis tournament taking place in Washington, D.C. Okay. There's a little uh, unknown thing about favorites in that tournament. They never win. Wow. It's really hot. And let's just say they go, they do what they need to do to get prepared, and then they're out. Rafael Nadal is playing in this tournament for the first time ever. He won yesterday. And today, for some reason... At plus $3, I didn't bet Lloyd Harris because you, Rafa wasn't going to win this tournament. He lost in three sets. Out goes Rafa Nadal. Lloyd Harris, don't know him, should have bet him. That's Adam Hill. I'm Tim Murray. Team USA, the women on the floor tonight in 10 minutes. The men in action for gold tomorrow. We'll talk about it on the other side. It's the nightcap here on Decent. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury 
with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. The VEASAN College Football Betting Guide is here, folks. Start your football season on the right foot with our expert analysis and picks for conference champions, Heisman hopefuls, and playoff teams. Plus, power ratings for every team. Now is also a great time to get your all-access VEASAN subscription, including our college and pro football betting guides, along with everything we offer for the entire football season. Get your college betting guide for only $19.99 or start your free all-access trial today. Head to vcin.com backslash subscribe. It is the nightcap here on VEASAN. Adam Hill, Tim Murray with you, and Team USA turned it on in the second half last night en route to a very impressive over Australia. A lot of people, including Todd Furman earlier this hour, had uh, had some lengthy futures on the Aussies to uh, to bring home gold. I believe our own JVT was on it. He was tweeting about it last night. Uh, he said he got off it with a uh, minus 115 money line play on, on USA last night during the game. Uh, but as that game went on, and we mentioned it a little bit earlier in the show, as I was sitting at Megabar with my laptop out, um, at the half, I was like, this game's done. It's about, yeah. it is, it's about to be on. And it was. And I, I'm kicking myself still right now for not betting it in the second half and getting off the plus 12 that I have in Australia. So the question I have now, Adam, moving forward with France, who has beaten the United States in the first game of the Olympics, which feels like eons ago. France is getting 12 and a half. They win 90 to 89. Nicolas Batum, a block on Luka Doncic. They did a great job on Doncic. Uh, he went five of eighteen from the field, had eighteen assists. Yeah, uh, but still uh, wasn't. Uh, when you're getting triple covered, the assists are going to be there, right? Yeah. Um, so when you look at twelve and a half for the full game, a pretty big team: Batum, Rudy Gobert, Evan Fournier. I mean, they've got. I believe France is the most NBA players outside of the United States in the entire tournament, so it makes sense they're here. Do you think the United States? is able to kind of pull a page out of what they've done the last two games, which is slow start, feel it out, put a little pressure on at the end of the second, first half, tied it up against Spain, down three against Australia, and then go into destruction mode in the second half. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it's you know not by design. Like, you're not designing to be behind, but it's, this is by design. And, again, it, it was something that Kevin Durant talked about after the game, and I think it's pretty clear what they're doing, they said, 
listen, we know that every single team in this tournament is they know what they're up against against the USA. They know how much talent there is. And they're going to come out and just put the put the gas on the floor and just go uh, right away, right out of the gates. And U.S. has kind of just said, okay, go ahead and do that. Go ahead and do it. Show us everything you've got. Throw everything you've got at us right away. And we'll ease into the game a little bit. And it seems like that's what they've done. And it, it's really worked for them because they can see, okay, this is what you're going to do. This is your best. This is, this is what the best thing you have is. Uh, in the last game, it was... Uh, obviously, with Patty Mills creating and doing a lot of what he did, uh, Ricky Rubio in the game before was kind of going off against mm-hmm. them. And then what they do? They attacked Ricky Rubio on the defensive end, wore him out. He couldn't do it on the offensive end anymore, and he slowed down. Uh, last game, they kind of did the same thing. They mixed up what they were doing on Patty Mills defensively, and they said, "All right, that's that's your best game. All right, we can adjust and we can we can handle that." So, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised at all if we see almost the exact same formula in this game, where I would look at France first half. USA for the game, USA for the second half for sure, and I think that's kind of how this plays out. So remember, the France game that opened up the Olympics for the United States outscored 16-2 to two down the stretch. They had a possession that was just horrifying. Yeah. Three wide-open looks at three, clanked them all. That would have given the U.S., I believe, the lead. I think they were down two. Yeah. Uh, Evan Fournier in that game at 28 points. Uh, this was before he got, uh, I guess that's what the Knicks saw and they said, ooh, give that guy $78 million. Uh, But what he said after the game was, and I, I actually thought at the time it was as a factual statement, they're better individually, but they can be beaten as a team, meaning they have the most talent, which is not going Obvious. on a limb, uh, but they can be beaten as a team. And that is what works against the U.S. pretty much every Olympics outside of maybe 08 and 12 when those guys really, you know, played together a bunch you know, this team, three guys showed up like the day before France, right. the French, the France game uh, in Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday and uh, and Devin Booker. Now Booker's really starting to come together. Uh, we talked about it last night. Booker's over under on points last night was nine and a half. I said you could easily see. I didn't think you'd go for 20 uh, or what he, you know, what he did last night. Um, I, I do like the feeling out process, though, in the first half, I, I think. And as we've been sitting here. Uh, I think Westgate had seven and a half first half. That's down to seven. William Hill has it at six and a half. So I think a lot of people are going to kind of go on what we what we've been talking about, which is look the 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 way these games have played out so far is slow start for the U.S. Turn on the Jets at the end. Could we see a flip of the script where the U.S. just comes out and and dominates? Yeah, I think it's possible with sure. with the talent that they have. I mean, they shot horrendously from the field and were only down three at the half. If they were like one for 11 from three in that first half last night, um, does the size for France, because look, the United States, their centers, bam, Adebayo, they don't really play anyone else uh, of, of size. You know, Jeremy Grant, JaVale McGee, uh, was it Keon Johnson? They're not playing. Yeah. Uh, so can the size for France be an advantage for them to keep this thing close? They can, but I mean, then you... Yes, I mean, I certainly you can, and that's probably what they're going to try to rely on. I just don't know how effective it's going to be uh, in this game. And again, if that's what they do, then the U.S. will figure out a way to counter it. That's what they've done uh, all along throughout this tournament. So um, I, I, just, I think you have to give credit to what the U.S. has done. We talked about earlier the coaching staff. Uh, I think, of course, not going on a limb, there's some great coaches on this staff, but they, they understood exactly what 48 is talking about. They understood, hey, we've got a lot of great individual players. Let's not let's not try to get everything in right now. Like it, you don't have to immediately like put every play you want to do in and go everything you want to do. You, you can 
use this tournament to try to build up to where you want to be. And I think they did a good job of that. They understood, hey, let's use these games. We don't care if we win or lose. Use them to figure out rotations. Who plays well together? Who works well together? Who's better together in the second half when the other team's a little bit tired? They used the, they used the time that they had, even though it was somewhat limited in a couple of weeks, they used it really well. And I think now they're at a point where they're really, really playing together. They're really clicking. Um, yeah, they could, they could go out and blow them out. France will try to use their size. I just don't think it's going to matter. USA is too good, but I do kind of look at France in the first half. USA is minus 1,000 on the money line. They were minus 200 to win gold prior to the Spain game. I I missed it. I got 225, but pretty close. I'll take it. I like where I'm sitting. It's not a bad spot. Not a bad spot to be in. Uh, The United States women underway in the semifinals. Apparently, it's U.S.-Serbia day because we have (laughs) USA-Serbia in women's volleyball, USA-Serbia in women's basketball uh, just underway. Tomorrow night, 7.30 Pacific, USA and France for the gold. We wrap things up. More thoughts on the AFC West on the other side. Stick around. It's the Nightcap here on Decent. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, Even before you do, every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. 
Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Indeed's instant match searches through millions of resumes in Indeed's database to deliver candidates who fit your job description instantly. Find out more at Indeed.com slash credit. Wrapping things up here on the nightcap, Adam Hill at Adam Hill, LVRJ, Las Vegas Review Journal. Tim Murray with you uh, as well. And uh, we wrap up the evening with our final thoughts on the AFC West. Also, uh, some in-depth analysis on women's volleyball. I quote, Serbia stinks. That was a quote in the break from Adam Hill, who was hoping a little better. Serbia to go the uh, to go the distance with the United States here uh, over four sets. Eh, you never know. Never know. It's not going well. Not going well. Serbia stinks. And uh, also the United States women vying for a spot in the gold medal game right now, taking on Serbia uh, early first quarter there. USA, I believe, went off as 19-point favorites. Same analysis as volleyball. Serbia stinks. Serbia stinks. <laughs> they're actually playing okay right now. Three minutes in, they're playing fine. Yeah. Uh, it is, uh, it's early in that one, but uh, we'll keep you posted. But 5-4, uh, to four, there we go. I was waiting for the score to come up. 5-4, to four, USA leading Serbia, uh, 6-21 to go in the first quarter. All right, let's get some final thoughts on the AFC West. And I want to re- uh, revisit... The exacta, because I, I think the most I, I think most people out there, you look at the odds. The biggest division favorite in football this year is the Chiefs. The Buccaneers are the second uh, biggest favorite. You know, depending on where you look, minus two fifty, minus two seventy five. Let me just start there because you are one, and I'm similar. And I think most of us we don't like to lay prices like that, especially a return on investment that's going to take four months. Right. Minus 250 is the shortest price. It's at DraftKings for the Chiefs to win this division. Any interest? Not really. Yeah. I mean, if, if I agree. I'm, I don't really like having my money tied up in futures anyway for the most part, but if I'm going to, it's going to be on long shots. Not that there's not value. Like, I, I actually would make the case that there probably is value at that number. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that they probably should be a bigger favorite than that. But of course, things can go wrong. Mahomes could get hurt. You know, anything could happen. Uh, that could that could impact that. Um, so I mean, it's it is always about finding value. That doesn't always mean underdogs, but I just feel like if you're going to be tied up in futures markets, you're probably going to want some some really uh, nice payoffs for your money and not not be laying prices like that. I mean, there's definitely value at times to play a, a favorite. You know, beach volleyball I've, when you bet stop. Alex and April. I've, you know? I've I've made the case that you know the best value I've ever seen in any number in betting history was a massive favorite. It was Floyd Mayweather oh, I was over say, Conor Floyd McGregor. Mayweather, yeah. It's the best bet I've ever made. It's the best bet a lot of people have. It was the best value you're ever going to find in a sporting event. And that was at, you know, I mean, it started at minus 2400 It got all the way down to minus $4. I laid 450 I got about as good a number as you possibly can. I would say it's the best value that's ever been available in, uh, on sports. And so, yeah, you can find value in a favorite. Mm-hmm. But I just think when you're tying your money up in a futures market, I don't want to be laying a number. Yeah, for four months. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it is, I mean, right now, it's longer than four months. I, I'll give you a, a favorite that I played that I, I felt like was actually really good value and, and was a no sweat victory. 
Uh, I played Gonzaga to come out of their region this year. Okay. It was like minus, it was like minus one fifty somewhere in that, and they won by forty three, sixteen, eighteen, and nineteen. So it was a, it was a pretty no sweat uh, way to the final four, and then they needed they they needed obviously the UCLA game was maybe the best game of the entire tournament, yeah. and then they got smashed by Baylor. But to come out of that region, I just looked at the the way the bracket was set up. I don't know who beats them, and uh, that's the way it worked out. But I, I agree. I mean, they're going to win this division. Let me let me ask you, though, this about the Raiders, right? So we, we pull up the, who's going to win the AFC West. 25-1 to 1 at DraftKings is a really high price for the Raiders. So that's an implied probability of 4%. Could you see a better than 4% chance that the Raiders win the AFC West? Or does that sound about right to you? It's, it sounds about right. <laughs> because, I mean, it basically comes down to, is there a 4% chance? I don't like to talk in these terms, but you got to. Is there a 4% chance that Patrick Mahomes gets hurt? That's really what it's it comes really down to. It's really not that, though, because... Then they have to be better than everyone else. they still have to be better yeah. than the other two teams. Yeah. So I think it's even... So while it is a, a juicy price, I, I, I just... I, I would like to revisit this tape come early January... If the Chargers, Broncos, or Raiders were like, man, we didn't see that coming. Uh, I just, I, I have a hard time envisioning anybody in this division taking it. But here's the craziest part about this is that we talked earlier, and, and I actually really still like this looking at it more. We talked about the exact exactly. order of finish. Yep. And we both, at 16-1, to 1, Raiders finishing second to the Chiefs. Go Chiefs, Raiders, and then either Chargers, Broncos, or Broncos, Chargers. It's 16 to 1. We both like that. So we're both looking at the Raiders like, yeah, they can finish second. But then we're we're not willing to go to 25 to 1 that they could finish first. I'm not, I'm just not. Here's the so we have the exact is up for those uh watching on vsin.com. Raiders finishing last, Chiefs finishing first are the two most popular options. Flip-flopping Chargers Broncos. And then in the eyes of the odds makers, it is more likely that the Chargers or Broncos win this division than the Raiders to not finish in last. I, I just I think that's wrong. I I'm not saying the Raiders are world beaters. And yes, I live in Las Vegas. I've lived here for a year. It's not like I'm some homer. Um I I don't get that. I, I don't think that the the Broncos specifically are that much better than the Raiders. No, and I think, and we, you know, listen, we know quarterback is the most important position in yeah. sports. I love the Broncos roster everywhere except for quarterback. If it's Bridgewater, I, I think they're a little bit better than than Locke, but I, I like their roster a lot. But if if the quarterback is that important, which we all believe it is, Carr is not the worst quarterback in the division. Um, it could you be could, argued he's there with Herbert. He could be argued yeah. he's second. I, yeah, that's what I was going to say. You could make a very good argument that he's the second-best quarterback. I think right. most people would say it's Mahomes, massive space, Herbert Carr, space, yeah. and Broncos quarterback. Right. So, I mean, you do have to, to analyze it in that way and say, okay, the Raiders are definitely finishing last when they might have the second-best quarterback in the division, third at worst quarterback in the division. Uh, you can get a plus price out there, and we're talking about these exact order of finish, but you can get a plus price on the Raiders finishing either second or third. Like, that's something worth looking at to me. Like, I don't think it's a slam dunk that this team finishes last in the division, and in that case, there's other opportunities opened up for you, betting the over on the Raiders potentially uh, at that seven number. Um, and the Raiders are, it, it's, it's weird saying this after we just t- talked up Carr, 
But we talk all, all night. We talked about well, the, you know, you have to look at the potential of somebody getting hurt, and then that dramatically changing a team. If Carr gets hurt, it doesn't dramatically alter things for the for the Raiders. Marcus Mariota is just fine. They have the best backup quarterback situation in the division. Oh, in the division, for sure. One of the best in the, in the league. league. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to a conversation we had with Brad Evans and him uh, talking about some sledgehammer and uh, him going acapella on us, which is always great. <laughs> Darren Waller. Darren Waller, over-under on receptions, 95 and a half. He had 107 last year. Got an extra game. 92 years ago. So let's start with receptions. He's a little banged up right now. Does the the does his uh, health come into play at all for you? Always on any future, it does. But yeah. his health right now, no. Okay. I don't think there's any real concern about Darren Waller. Like I said, I he's not practicing, and nobody's really made a big deal of it. There's no significant issue there. Uh, but I did see him working out, and I don't think no matter what the injury is, even if it's an ankle, I don't see them you know pushing him in the weight room to to lift. So I, I'm going to say that it's not that bad of an issue, whatever's going on with Darren Waller. Uh, I think he'll be fine. He's been very durable uh, since he's, uh, you know, been with the Raiders for sure these last couple of years. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think he's going to have a big season. I think, you know, he's, the expectations are where they are for a reason. Uh, they love to get the ball to Darren Waller. They do have a bit of a deeper receiving core. I know the big names aren't there. They don't have that big star, you know, flashy guy to go to all the time. But they have a deep receiving core. They've got guys that have done it before. At a high level, certainly Ruggs and Edwards, uh, the, the draft picks from last year, Edwards getting all the hype right now, Ruggs a first-round pick, those guys are there. But then you look beyond them, Zay Jones has been really good. He's a good veteran player. He's been very good in camp. John Brown has had receptions everywhere he's been. Willie Sneed is on this roster. Like They've got guys that can catch a ball at receiver, uh, which could take away some looks from Darren Waller, uh, but I think he is the focus, focal point of the passing. Kenan Drake probably takes away uh, some receptions as well. From Waller, but Waller is the focal point of this passing game. They're going to go to him early and often. Uh, the one I'm I'm thinking about, and Brad said the same thing. Touchdowns are unpredictable. Yeah, and and I I will tell you out there, uh, Foster Moreau will be the red zone red zone weapon in terms of tight ends for this team. So he will take away some some touchdowns, I think, from Darren Waller. But there's nothing standing in the way of Waller having a massive season of receptions and yards. Yeah, 95 and a half. Uh, once again, had 107 last year and 90 the year prior. And uh, now we have the extra game, so you're you're banking on health uh, with ten thousand, excuse me, one thousand fifty yards, not ten thousand yards. I'll take that under. Yeah, we go under that too. Yeah. You have to average sixty-one yards per game. Real quickly though, let's just uh, hit on Henry Ruggs. Seven hundred and twenty-five uh, is the over/under for him. Staying healthy, which is always a big concern with Henry, at least the first year. Yeah. Uh, he has to average about forty-two and a half yards per game. Do you expect that from him? I'm taking under. Uh, how just about because this? of the health. I just, I mean, I, there's a ton of weapons there, and I just, uh, he hasn't established himself. He'll make some big plays. I'll go over on the touchdowns. I see a number of four there. I'll take the over on touchdowns. I think he does come up with some big plays. I just don't think the consistency will be there. Uh, I, I, I'll go under. Like, there's, there are weapons in this passing game that are going to get, there's a lot of mouths to feed, even though there's not, against stars. A lot of mouths to feed. I think that goes under. He had 26 receptions last year for 452 yards, but certainly a lot of those games, he was not his explosive sure. self. Sure. All right, 
Adam Hill will be up at uh, 5 a.m. out at the uh, at the facility. I'll wave to you from my house. I can see the uh, Raiders complex there from my house. Back. There he is, Adam Hill at Adam Hill LVRJ. Thanks to Brad Evans. Thanks to Todd Furman. Thanks to Aaron Oster. Sorry to uh, Serbia. They're not going to get it done for you. But you got a winner, Alex and uh, April. Got it done for him. A winner. It's a nightcap here on Visa. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.